We welcome you this morning. I want to also welcome you to the metaverse. Technologists are going crazy talking about the future of the metaverse. Maybe you've heard about it before. Maybe you're excited about it. Maybe you already have your own personal avatar. Anybody? Somebody's like, I don't know what the avatar is. The metaverse, many believe, will be a place that a lot of people spend time in the future. In fact, you may go to concerts through the metaverse. You may go shopping through the metaverse. You may socialize with friends. You might even go to church through the metaverse in the future. The metaverse is that place where your cartoon-like character known as an avatar that's directed by a 3D virtual reality headset and a microphone can allow you to interact with people in a variety of different contexts. And there is so much enthusiasm about the metaverse that Facebook actually changed their name to Meta Platforms. And, and, and so I, I've been thinking about that this week and I thought, you know what, I need my own Pastor Ryan personal avatar, but I couldn't decide which one to use. And so I thought maybe the church family could, could maybe give me a little help. Would you mind, would you guys mind giving me a little feedback? Maybe? Okay. All right. So check this out. Here's one option right here that, that, that might be my avatar. What do you guys think about that? No, yes, yeah, some, some. I'm going to have you vote in just a second, okay? So you can just think about it for a minute. I also had another thought, maybe another look that, that might be appropriate. Check this out. That's the millennial avatar. I actually added freckles in on that one too and a nose ring. So skinny jeans and a nose ring, amen? Amen. But if that doesn't work, maybe I might try this one. That's like old man Pastor Ryan with the Abraham Lincoln beard and the bald head. What do you guys think? So let's vote, okay? Check it out. How many of you think that the first one would be the most appropriate avatar? Come on, let me hear you. Okay, all right, all right. What about millennial avatar? Nobody's digging that, okay. I, I knew I should have put a man bun on him instead of the hat. I really, I really regret that. What about old man avatar? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, great. Well, I think it's, I think it's resolved probably. Um, the first avatar is probably most appropriate. I really do appreciate you guys helping me with this because I do want to spend so much more time in the metaverse and now I can be appropriately prepared for for such an endeavor. You know, spiritually speaking, um, God has called us to enter into the metaverse. The meta is a Greek word that actually means to transcend, to, to transform, or to go beyond. And in the Christian experience, we are called to go beyond. We are called to transcend. And we do so by faith. That is the message of Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. And so every day, we, we, we should be thinking about the meta. Where is God taking me? Where is God leading me to live by faith? How does God want to transform my heart into the image of Jesus? And last week, we kicked off this series. Today, I want to build on some of the things we spoke about last week. 
by looking at Jesus' most famous sermon. It's the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus begins to talk to us about the meta. He begins to talk to us about transcending some of our beliefs and our ideologies about faith and finances. And this is so important because everywhere we turn, when it comes to money, we, we have a, a, a whole array of, motion, of emotions. We, we feel fear sometimes when the topic of money comes up. Sometimes we feel guilt or regret, like, darn, I wish I wouldn't have spent the money on that and I should have put it over here. And so there can be a lot of regret and, and, and a, lot of, a, a lot of guilt. There can be a lot of stress. I don't know if you get certain uh, bills and when you see it hit your email or maybe you even get some in the snail mail, you tense up a little bit and, and you feel anxious because you know that it's about the money. Money has a, a funny effect on us. And that's why today I want to help us move beyond in our faith and finances. It's no coincidence that Jesus spoke about finances uh, more than almost anything he spoke about and taught about. I think he knew the, the inner conflict and the anxiety that we would feel about stuff. In fact, if you have money, you're trying to figure out how you can hang on to it. And if you don't have money, you're always trying to figure out how to get it. So we all feel the, 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 the tug and, and the push and the pull regardless of our financial status. But Jesus wrote this in, uh, or, or spoke this in Matthew chapter 6, 19. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I want to ask three questions today about faith and finances that move us beyond where we are to where God wants us to be. And the first question is this, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Jesus begins by, by asking this question, by making this statement in verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Moths obviously eat and destroy things, don't they? Vermin is a really cool Bible word for rats. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus is saying, listen, the stuff that we have, one day it's all going to pass away. And, and unfortunately, a lot of folks spend their whole life storing up treasures on earth. Like we work so diligently and so passionately to, to have more stuff, but to our own disappointment, all that stuff, it, it's not going to be around forever. The rats are going to eat it, right? The, the moth, the vermin, the thieves. I mean, in the ancient world, people did not have 
safety deposit box. They didn't have safes. They didn't have bank accounts. Everything that you had, you kept in your own, you know, your own home. And if somebody broke in and stole it, you could be completely wiped out for life. And so people lived with a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. And people, you know, worked really hard to have their treasure. But our treasure is whatever we value. And so what is your greatest treasure? What do you treasure the most? Is it your house, your car, your boat, your vacation home, your gun collection, your retirement uh, uh, account, your insurance policies, your real estate, your annuities, your commodities? What is your treasure? What do you value the most? And Jesus says, listen, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven. Right, Because the treasure on earth is all going to fade away at some point. In fact, about 100 years ago, they, they found the, the tomb of King Tut over in Egypt. And you know what they discovered? King Tut had a beautiful tomb. In fact, he was there, in, in, uh, he was mummified. He was in a beautiful, a beautiful uh, tomb that he was that he was buried in and he had statues and he had gold and he had jewels and he had treasure and he had the finest clothes and he had weapons and he had a chariot. But guess what? When King Tut died, he got a, he, he was in for a rude awakening. He learned, I can't take it all with me. And it was all still there. And now it's in a museum in Cairo. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Now it's just sitting there for people to to look at. It doesn't mean much. We have two bank accounts. We have a bank account on earth. We have a bank account in heaven. Did you know it? Now, we have a retirement account. We have a savings account. We have a, a, a checking account. But Jesus introduces another account right here. He says, listen, you have an account in heaven. And when you store up treasures in heaven, when your life is about generosity, when it is about giving, when it is about the kingdom of God first, which the whole theme of the Sermon on the Mount is the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, listen, when your life, when when your purpose is about kingdom stuff, guess what? Treasure in heaven. Isn't that awesome to think about today? And you could even be a person of very... uh, very conservative, very, very, very menial means, but you can be a person that has great treasure in heaven. And, and treasure in heaven is not always about uh, the amounts uh, that we have. Sometimes it's about the generosity and the heart, like we talked about last week with, with uh, that poor widow. But we have an account in heaven and tithing and giving and, and offerings are a part of that account. We're, we're starting something today called the 90-Day Challenge. It is a, an encouragement for people to, to tithe. And uh, we're not limited to 90 days. In fact, I hope that you will take the challenge and I hope you'll participate with us in it because it's a great way to get started in, in generosity. It's a, it's a great way to start building treasure in heaven. And it takes about 90 days to establish a new habit. So from time to time, we'll have a 90-day tithe challenge. We'll have an opportunity for people if they want to stretch their faith and they want to 
really put some time into the kingdom of God and, and thinking about their future and their resources and their impact and their legacy and all those kinds of things, we have the 90-day tide challenge. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But today, I, I want us to be people that are thinking about the things of the kingdom. We're storing up those, those treasures in heaven. And Jesus says that, that to do so, we have to ask ourselves the question, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? What do you value most? This is not a salvation issue. Salvation comes by faith through grace, but it is a discipleship issue. It's part of growing closer to Christ. And um, we, we, we need to store up more treasure in heaven. Every time that we breathe, bring those tithes and offerings, treasure in heaven. So Jesus begins by saying, where is your treasure? And then he, he proposes another question, and that is, um, what is your focus? Now, in verse 21, he begins to talk about the eyes. Look at this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of your body. If your eye, eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so, so Jesus compares um, our focus to our eyesight, right? So what we're looking at, what, what, what the focus of our life is, it, it, it has a massive impact on our treasure and, and the way that we view our finances. What are we looking at? Are we looking at stuff? Are we looking at more materialism? Are we looking at, I have to have this, I have to have that? Or is our eyesight on the things of the kingdom? What are we looking at? When we're looking at the things of God, it's like there's a light that's on and we can see clearly. When we're looking at the things of the world around us, we're walking in the darkness, as 1 John says, and we don't see clearly the opportunities that God is putting before us. We, we have an eye problem. We have an eye problem. And really... Um, when it comes to material resources um, and, and it ha comes to our stuff, um, it all starts with I. Because if I'm thinking about myself, if I'm thinking about what I want, I'm thinking about what I think, I'm thinking about how I feel, um, it's hard to look at the things of the kingdom. And, and so I need to get my eyes checked. Amen? So I can see a little bit clearer, right? Like, uh, not too long ago, I was supposed to get my driver's license renewed, and I told Gina, I said, I'm not seeing as well as I used to. I used to be like really proud because I had really great eyesight, but in latter days, maybe not so much. And I said, I'm afraid I'm going to fail the eye exam and they're not going to give me my driver's license. And she said, well, I got a great idea. Why don't you go online and find one of those standard eye charts and memorize the letters? I said, Lord, thank you for giving me such a wise woman. I mean, my wife is full of wisdom. I'm going to memorize that thing. But then I said, oh, no, I got another problem. I'm dyslexic. And if I get some of the letters backwards, then they're going to think that my vision is worse than it really even is. So I had a dilemma. I think sometimes we suffer from a form of spiritual dyslexia. We see things backwards. We think, man, if I work hard and I have that, then I will feel fulfilled. 
People will respect me. I'll have peace in my life. I'll have security. I'll have financial security. I'll have whatever it is that I feel like that I need. You know, we tend to think if I just had enough money, man, money would take care of this. I would be happier if I had more money, if I had more stuff. But you know what? There's a lot of people that have a lot of stuff that are very miserable. Amen? Maybe you know some of them. Money alone cannot fix the human heart. It cannot fill us with what God can fill us with. And Jesus says, listen, when your eyes are on the right thing, guess what? You're seeing things in the light as they really are. And, and, and you're viewing your resources through the, through the right lens, if you will. You're seeing it with the light on. You're not walking in the darkness. You don't have an eye problem. And so maybe God is leading you to reroute some of your funds. You know, um, you were going to buy a new car, but instead you wanted to participate in the special offering that we were having here at the church. Or you were going to take a trip, but you decided, you know what, we need to start tithing. And God is leading you to, to change your vision, to change the way you see your stuff because you want to have treasure in heaven and you want to build the kingdom and you want to be about the things of God. And here's what happens. Our heart enlarges, okay? We become closer to God and we begin to see more clearly our stuff in the perspective that God wants us to, to, to behold them with. Um, it, it enlarges us. And so we want to get rid of that spiritual dyslexia. Money is a liar. It tells us it, uh, if we have it, we won't have problems. Um, we will feel more significant. We will be more happy. We will feel um, more, um, more esteemed and so many other things. And yet, we have this great opportunity, this great opportunity to have treasure in heaven. I mean, listen, the treasure in heaven that, that Jesus is talking about is something that's going to last a really, really, really long time time. Are you, are you putting, you putting your treasure towards the things of God? Um, one of the reasons that I think that we don't see this in proper perspective is, and we, we, we struggle with the spiritual dyslexia is because sometimes we think I can't tithe. Most people have thought that before. I can't tithe. I can't tithe. Um, and when we see our lack, then it's difficult to see God's abundance. But you know, it's, it's interesting. In, all throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, where people gave, God always provided. Do you know that? The provision of God is something that's profound. So you can look at your, at your paycheck and you can look at your bank statement and you can go, I can't tithe. But listen, don't take God out of the equation. Don't take God out of the equation. Think about uh, Elijah the prophet over in 1 Kings 17. Um, he's hiding from Ahab and Jezebel, the evil king and queen, because he's preached against them. And he's hiding at a brook. And, and how is he fed? He has nothing. The ravens bring Elijah the prophet. They bring him biblical burgers. This is before Uber Eats. They drop off meat and bread a couple of times a day for the prophet. That's amazing. 
every time I see a bird around bread, they're always eating it, right? I mean, this is God. This is the provision of God. He drinks water out of the brook. The ravens, of all things, drop off meat and, and bread to the prophet. God is providing. And then after that, the brook dries up. Okay, and, and I wonder if Elijah thought what most of us thought. Okay, now it's really over. I mean, like God provided for me before, but now God can't do it anymore. No, God just had a different, different thing. God was just doing something new. So he goes to a widow and he asks the widow for some food. And she says, well, we're going to eat one more meal. My son and I, and we're going to die. That's one of the saddest verses in the Old Testament right there. And Elijah says, well, feed me first, <laughs> you know, which sounds kind of selfish, doesn't it? You know, but when the widow gave the prophet the food, the next day she woke up, she found a surprise. The oil and the grain had what? They had replenished. And every day throughout the famine, there was oil and there was grain because God continued to provide. Listen, I want you to know today, folks, God is going to provide for you. Jesus spoke in the same context in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, listen, if I can take care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, can I not take care of you? Have you ever seen a sparrow that was stressed out, anxious? Have you ever seen the lilies of the field freaking out? No, God's going to take care of them. God's going to take care of you. How much more valuable are you? So don't, don't say to yourself, I can't be generous. I can't give. That's for other people. Um, Psalm 81, 10 is one of my new favorite verses about, about generosity and giving. It's speaking about the Israelites when they're coming out of Captivity, Psalm 81.10, I am the Lord your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Whoa. God's like, you know what? I got you guys covered. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Now, Egypt was the place of bondage. It was the place of slavery. It was the place of oppression. And Moses delivered the people out of this dark place, but he took them to the wilderness and they had to walk in the desert before they got to the land of promise. And the people complained and they said, Moses, this is worse than Egypt. We, in fact, some of them even wanted to go back to Egypt. But God made a promise. He said, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. One time Moses hit a rock and water began to flow. Every day there was manna on the ground, this dew-like substance that gave, that gave the Israelites the food that they needed to be sustained one more day. Listen, God is going to take care of you. God knows your needs. Listen, don't let that ever be an excuse to not put treasure in heaven. This week I was feeling a little bit stressed. Some of our offerings have been kind of light the last couple of months here at the church. And I bit at lunch and I came back and there was a guy pulling on the door that I'd never seen before. And usually when people are pulling on the door during the week at church, it's usually because they need prayer, they need money, or they're trying to sell something. Okay, <laughs> that's what it is. And so I pulled up and there was a, a white truck that was in front of the church. Everybody else was at lunch. I had co come back early and no one was here except me. So I rolled down the window. I said, hey, can I help you guys? And the lady said, are you the pastor? And I said, you know, I am. Yes. He said, I've been to church one time. I thought you were the pastor. She said, Pastor, we are here to tithe. 
I said, well, well, amen. I mean, you know, bring it on, sister. I mean, come on, you know. And she was there with her sons. And she handed the church a whole stack of $100 bills. It was awesome. It was amazing. We're here to tithe. And I felt the voice of the Holy Spirit whisper in my ear. Ryan, I'm going to take care of every need. Isn't that good? Sometimes we just need to be reminded, don't we? For many of us, we know it, but like we need to know it again. We need to hear it. And I thought, man, what a blessing. Jesus says, what's your focus, man? Where's your treasure? Finally, he says, who's your master? Look at this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He says there's two masters. Now, we like to split the difference. A lot of times we're like, I want to love money and I want to love God all at the same time. Nope, it doesn't work that way. Jesus says you will serve one or the other. Your life will be about the kingdom your life will be about the purposes of God. Your, your life will be about putting others first. That's one decision. Or if you have an eye problem, if you're not moving beyond, you're not going into the metaverse, listen, it's all about me. It's all about my stuff. It's all about what I've got. It's all about what, what I think. Jesus says you cannot have two masters I want to love my stuff over here, and then I want to love God at the same time. Nope, it's one or the other. You can't stand in the middle. You can't stand in the middle. The great theologian A.W. Tozer, a few years ago, he posed four questions to help us size up our allegiances. He says, where is your treasure? What do we hate to lose? What do we think about the most? And who's your master? I thought, man, what? Four amazing questions, four fantastic questions for us to think about in terms of our treasures. Wow, you know, Scripture describes Christians as citizens of heaven, aliens, lights of the world, heirs of God, uh, members of the body of Christ, sheeps of his flock, ambassadors in his service, and friends around the table. And we're called to fight like warriors, to run like athletes, and abide like branches of the vine. However, the term that is used more than any of these is a slave. See, most people don't really like the term slave. Like, you may not think about your Christian life like, I'm a slave to God. Yes, you know. But the Apostle Paul referred to himself as a slave. Jesus talked about being a slave. And this word carries with it a lot of connotations that are very negative, and, and, uh, and, and rightly so. You know, about a fifth of the Roman Empire was, uh, was, slave, was, was captivated in slavery, and that's the time written around the, the New Testament uh, period here. And a lot of people were oppressed and put down by slavery. But there is a beautiful imagery that's used here in Scripture that I don't want us to miss. And when the Bible speaks about slaves, being slaves to Christ, there's two main expressions that are being communicated. Number one is a total dependence. 
A total dependence. Because a slave is totally dependent upon the master. A slave doesn't worry about, am I going to have food tomorrow? That's the master's responsibility. So when Jesus is talking about being a slave to the kingdom of God, he's talking about total dependence, right? Like, I am utterly, completely, totally dependent upon the master. And then secondly, he's talking about one allegiance. A slave doesn't work for multiple masters. You know, a slave works for one, has one master. Listen, in Christ, guess what? We have one master, don't we? We can't, we can't put one foot in the kingdom of heaven and one foot in the world and try to straddle it. We, we are one or the other. And so we have one allegiance. Now, Von Miller uh, has been in the media as many of you know, he was traded from the Broncos a few weeks ago. He's playing in the Super Bowl today for the L.A. Rams. But he said just a few days ago that he never wanted to leave Denver. He considers himself a Bronco for life. And that if he would have had his way, he'd be playing here in the Mile High City. He didn't want to go to Los Angeles. But now he's on another team. And um, I've always followed Von Miller because he, he's, he's a... Texas A&M Aggie, come on, can I get a witness? <laughs> One of my people. And actually, my sister-in-law was his first grade music teacher, okay? So I know the scoop on Von Miller. Von Miller was not a very good student. His mom spent a lot of time at the principal's office, okay? And he wasn't really into music, I've been told but a very good football player. But how weird would it be today if Von, Pil Von Miller ran out onto the field to play in the Super Bowl and he had on a Rams jersey, but he had a Bronco helmet? Would that be weird? What if he was getting the plays from Denver while he was on the field with the Rams? Somebody would say, that's messed up. Get rid of the orange, Vaughn. Put on blue and gold. Guess what? When you join the kingdom of heaven, you get a new coach, you get a new uniform, you get a new team, you get a new playbook, and it isn't the same. And we can't mix the two together. We play for one team, and it's called the kingdom of God. So we can't have allegiances over here and over here and over here our allegiance is to the kingdom. It's to the Savior. And Jesus says, listen, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, the greatest expression of our allegiance is found in our giving. It's expressed in and through what we do with our money because our money shows what we value. It shows what, what, what we hold in the highest esteems. Jesus says, listen, man, be about the kingdom. Be about the kingdom of God. Where is your treasure? What is your focus? Who is your master? And when we can answer those questions with Jesus at the center, we can begin to move into the metaverse, that place beyond where God transforms our heart and moves us in faith. 
into the person he wants us to be. Let's pray together.